Hey guys, wanted to pop on here before we got into this next episode and let you know about a couple new rad ideas that we have for the podcast. So the first one is we have a survey up and I would love to know what you guys think about the show. I'd love your feedback. I'd love your ideas for the next season. And I just love to know what you like and what you dislike about the podcast. And I'm going to sweeten the deal with a $50 gift card randomly drawn from everybody that completes the survey. The survey is going to be in the show notes of all of our shows. So no matter what time you start listening to the podcast at, you'll get a chance to win that gift certificate. The second thing that we're bringing in now is the ability for you guys to leave us a voicemail. You guys can actually call into the show, leave us a voicemail, let us know what you think about the show. If you have a funny story you'd like to share from your time as a first responder, I would love those and showcase those on the show as well. So make sure you guys check out that voicemail feature. It's going to be in the show notes and check out the survey. Make sure you get that chance to win that gift certificate. Sirens, Slammers, and Service, a podcast for female first responders by female first responders. Hey guys, wanted to pop on here before we got into this next episode and let you know about a couple new rad ideas that we have for the podcast. So the first one is we have a survey up and I would love to know what you guys think about the show. I'd love your feedback. I'd love your ideas for the next season. And I'd just love to know what you like and what you dislike about the podcast. And I'm going to sweeten the deal with a $50 gift card randomly drawn from everybody that completes the survey. The survey is going to be in the show notes of all of our shows. So no matter what time you start listening to the podcast at, you'll get a chance to win that gift certificate. The second thing that we're bringing in now is the ability for you guys to leave us a voicemail. You guys can actually call into the show, leave us a voicemail, let us know what you think about the show. If you have a funny story you'd like to share from your time as a first responder, I would love those and showcase those on the show as well. So make sure you guys check out that voicemail feature. It's going to be in the show notes and check out the survey. Make sure you get that chance to win that gift certificate. And now let's get back to what we all came here for. And that's another badass female first responder. Welcome back, guys. Today, oh my God, we have a hot show. I am so excited about this one, guys, because I am joined by not one, not two, but three badass female first responders, all with amazing stories about their roles in the fish and wildlife branch. I'm joined by Dana Kopp, who is an investigator with Alberta Environment and Protective Areas. She's been in this role for just over a year, and prior to that was a fish and wildlife officer for six years. She's been in law enforcement since she was 18 in multiple various roles. And we're going to definitely hear about all of that, which I'm super pumped for. I'm also joined by Teresa Gecko, Fish and Wildlife Officer since 2019. She also did seasonal work with them since 2015 and has a degree from Lethbridge College, which is one of the requirements that they do want you to have for being a Fish and Wildlife Officer. So very excited to talk to you about that, Therese. And then I'm also joined by the big boss, Kim Lahi. She's the Recruitment and Staffing Specialist with the Sheriff's Branch with a focus specifically on Fish and Wildlife Officers. Kim's been with the government for over 22 years and started specifically with fish and wildlife in 2003 so welcome ladies so pumped to have you all here how are we today a little nervous a little nervous fantastic good to go we're ready to rock Teresa's just like the super silent type she's just like sitting and like just watching just observing keeping an eye on things wait for the right opportunity yeah well let's jump into it so I'm going to start kind of in the order that I introduce you guys and just kind of go around my screen 
and just talk to you guys. So Dana, let's start with you, investigator with Alberta Environment and Protective Areas. Tell me, how did you kind of get into this role? What drew you specifically to fish and wildlife, especially with a background across the the varying kind of law enforcement roles that you've played? Yeah, absolutely. So I knew I wanted to be a fish and wildlife officer when I was 14. That's that's kind of when I really got the got the bite for conservation law enforcement. I have a family history in law enforcement, so I always knew I wanted to play a role in some sort of law enforcement. My dad quickly steered me away from being a cop and and pointed me in the direction of fish and wildlife and had the opportunity to do some ride-alongs when I was younger with the fish and wildlife officer in my community and quickly fell in love with that role with, you know, protecting the resources, dealing with animals, being outside, not tied to an office. And so I went to Lethbridge College, got my degree in conservation enforcement. Actually, Kim and I went to college together. That's how long we've known each other and how old we are. And then when we graduated from college, there was no jobs. There was no jobs in Fish and Wildlife. They had a hiring freeze on for like seven years after we graduated. So so I went the other law enforcement route and ended up becoming a special constable back then and then community peace officer. I did that for almost 10 years doing traffic enforcement for various municipalities, and I loved it. It was great, but uh, I think once you get a little bit of fish and wildlife in your blood, it always kind of calls to you. So very late in life at the age of 37, I was fortunate enough to apply and be hired by Fish and Wildlife and go off to our training academy as a mom and with some little babies at home and go live my dream, which was amazing. And I got to live my dream for six years. I worked in Spruce Grove and Edmonton and loved every minute of it and promoted eventually to the standards officer, worked in headquarters for a bit. And it's not easy being a first responder and being a mom. I have four kids, three at home, and eventually it just got too taxing, shift work and uniform life. So I was fortunate enough to apply for and get an investigator's position with Alberta Environment. It's a little bit more stable, Monday to Friday, no shift work, not struggling along 40 pounds of gear every day. We're much more kind of the detective investigator role, which is great. I- still get to use those skills. I still get to catch bad guys just on a, on a little bit of a different scale, I guess. So that's fantastic. And I love that you came to it like later in life and that you came to it with this background from like special constable peace officer role. A lot of our listeners, that's kind of where they're at right now is in that special constable peace officer role bylaw looking to get into a peace officer role. So I think the skill set that you gain in those, like, especially a lot of it is rural, like a lot of it is you're working in the back roads, you're on your own, right? So developing that skill set of dealing with issues, coming across people that don't want to be arrested or don't want you investigating, right? And, and how you navigate that. So that's absolutely fantastic. I love that. And yes, I hear you on the mom thing. And we're actually going to be doing a, a specific mom episode for season five, just on being a mom and being a first responder, because It is a whole entire different thing we have to navigate. There's so many different things that we do as moms and first responders and like the juggling act that you have to navigate when you're on shift and still trying to be an awesome mom and be at things. But at the same time being like, I just came off night shift and I don't really care about your thing right now because I need to sleep. (laughs) My game changer was when my youngest came to me and was like, mom, we don't ever see you anymore. You're never home. And it broke my heart. So I was like, "Ah, okay, something's got to change because 
isn't working. So, I mean, yeah. Fish and Wildlife's a, you know, a, a different role. We There's no set schedule. It's not like working EPS or something where you're four on, four off. Our schedules are all over the place. You know, there's certain months a year, like November, where we were working, you know, pretty much 24-7. You're not, you don't have any time off. Your majority of your work's on weekends because that's when guys are out hunting and fishing. And, and so that family time really takes a hit. Yeah, For me, I it was time to make a change and that's what I did. And yeah, I feel you on that too. My kid left me a note. I actually still have it. And it was like, dear mom, I wish you were home more, but I get you have to work. Love you. And I was like, like stab me in the heart. Okay, shit. I need to make a change too. So I totally feel you on that. But I do, again, I love the fact that there is this opportunity because I would not have known that there was this investigator role as part of this branch that you're working on, right? So that there is those options out there for people that are looking for those different schedules, those different things. So that's fantastic. Okay, Therese, let's get to you. So we'll say the rookie, which I know is not, that's like bullshit, right? But the youngest of us all, I've been with Fish and Wildlife since 2019 and did seasonal work before that, which I would love to hear about. Tell me, how did you get into this journey? Like, drew you to fish and wildlife well and i will say like the unfortunate part here we we need more women in fish and wildlife even with being only five years i was hired on with two other women and we're the senior officers now because we've unfortunately lost women along the way so apply <laughs> i started kind of i caught the bug in around like i would say grade six or something like that i was debating between like veterinarian and i was like what else is there you know what else is there to like work with wildlife and all these sorts of things and my dad was very influential in that he was like one of those guys that started up way back in the day with like the start of the pulp mill and all of this and working in the oil field and he said i regret my entire life not being efficient wildlife he said you should do that i wasn't smart enough to but you can go for it, go to the schooling, do it, do not follow the money, follow what you want to do, like follow what you love. So I kind of took after it and I didn't look back. And I, the little looking at, fortunately for me, the time when I was looking into the schooling and graduating from high school was when there was starting all of these retirements, like the baby boomers and stuff were starting to retire. So I knew there'd be opportunity to get hired. And I started, I had, I was on the wait list when I was in grade 11 for the college, like I was in, I moved two months after graduation and I started. And then every summer I got, I started seasonally. I worked one season in Manitoba as the park patrol officer at Nudimic. And that was awesome. Lots of really great fishing, lots of lovely grain out there. Very different to Alberta, but I'm an Alberta girl born and raised. And I knew that this was the place for me and I had to come back. And so then I did a, I did a couple summers in Cochrane with parks and one fall and then I also was fortunate enough to get extended in Grand Cash Hinton so I worked as a supervisory role for the summer in Grand Cash with three other officers and then extended into Hinton and we did horse patrols in the Wilmore and all that kind of stuff just you know stars in your eyes at that point in time so I've got through the degree and fortunately again hired spring of 2019 so I was only out of school a few months before I got on started Baclia and I was post first posted in Edson worked there for a couple of years and then uh, I mean I would have would have stayed for another year or two but you know opportunities come up and you just can't say no I had attempted to promote at the time but it just wasn't in the cards for me which is great because I was trying to get to Fox Creek and I end up here in Grand Prairie and Grand Prairie is awesome there's like we've got four positions here so I get to work with a bunch of different officers which is an anomaly in the province because we usually only have one or two guys in a district. So it's been here since I think 2021 in the fall. And 
that's where I'm at now. That's fantastic. I love it. Same thing. Like have this opportunity to like go multiple places because I feel like sometimes when you get locked in with the law enforcement agency, like you are tied to that area. So if you're EPS, you are in Edmonton. There is no like, I'm just going to go and do this like over here or over here. Right. So the fact that you've been, you know, like Manitoba, Cochrane, Grand Cache, Hinton, Edson, Grand Prairie, like you've been all over the province, which is phenomenal. been able to see so many different things. Horse patrol sounds fucking awesome. I would love to do that. I don't know how I get on that, but I would be down with doing that. Do you do like a horse ride along? Cause I will come on the horse ride along. If we can do that, <laughs> like, sign me up for one of those field trips. <laughs> well, in parks, I think like uh, the seasonal stuff with level, they have horses in parks, not, or like I said, it's environmental enforcement branch now, but fish and wildlife, we don't have horses particularly. We do, we have done some contract work in the past and like private use, but there's a couple of us that are including myself throughout the province that are still certified through the parks horses. So if we get the opportunity, we still primarily go into the Wilmore uh, wilderness area, which is only horse or hike in only really. So very cool. So I just want to really quickly ask you about, so, so you said with Clea, which I know what it is, but I know that our listeners do not know what that is. So can you kind of expound on that for us? Sure. Yeah. Um, the Western Conservation Law Enforcement Academy is what it stands for. We just call it WICLEA. It's where we get BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and then usually the Yukon. We kind of all combine the recruits from that year that are hired and do a bunch of training and we get officers like instructors from all the provinces that come in and contribute and we do all sorts of things so you start you do your firearms all three of your firearms training you do quads you do boats you do like gosh everything right investigative like, interviewing dress in department like marching and uh, there's so much right and defensive tactics and those kinds of things so you go it's about four four to five months long depending on how much extra stuff you get tacked on. And then additional to that afterwards, you get province specific training. So like jet boat courses and sleds and those kinds of things as well. So um, yeah, it's a hoot. There was about 40 of us when I went. There's been a few years that are around 10, but the average has been about 40 from the Western provinces altogether. And it's, it's awesome. I was going to say that collaboration is absolutely fantastic too, because I'm sure there is, you know, some cross province, you know, things where like the parks don't stop just because the border of Alberta is here. doesn't mean that the park stops there, right? Like it continues over. So there's going to be that cross jurisdiction, you know, work that needs to happen. If there's something happening in one of those parks that covers across from Alberta to Saskatchewan or Alberta to BC or Alberta up to the Yukon. So fantastic that that collaboration occurs. I, I think that's really cool. And just getting to be with other people from other provinces and hear what, you know, what's, what's the issues that they're seeing in their province? What, you know, what other things do we have that they don't have? Being able to share the equipment and things like that. I think that's really awesome. So yeah, that's great. Okay. And then Kim, tell me a recruitment and staffing specialist. So, I mean, this is your baby. You are finding all of these badass females who want to come in and be fish and wildlife officers. How did you get into this? Um, when I was a kid, I did a lot of camping and fishing with my family. That seemed like, you know, I kind of, I knew I wanted to have some sort of an outside job, but I wasn't really sure what that looked like. Uh, in 1996, when I was in grade 12, so that tells you how old I am. <laughs> I, uh, I was a junior forest ranger for the summer. And so I was put up in Fox Creek. So I think there was a crew of 12 or 12 or 14 of us. So we lived in fireline tents for the entire summer and we just did forestry related things. I think, I think back then, I don't know what it is now, but back then I think we got paid $21 a day 
And, you know, we had a bath once a week when we got to go to town and, you know, it's, it's good fun. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of my introduction. I met a fish and wildlife officer there who kind of, you know, he could come and talk to us about the job. And then we did a day of job shadowing. I'd actually gone with the parks, or I guess he was a park ranger at the time at outside of White Court and did a ride along with him. And that was kind of my, this, I know I want to do something like this, but I wasn't sure what it was. And I actually wrote a letter to that fish and wildlife officer because we'd had a conversation about something and I'd written him a letter and he wrote me back and he told me about the job, a little bit more about the job and about going to Lethbridge College for school. And interestingly, a couple of years ago, he was cleaning out his office and he forwarded me the letter that I'd sent him. He still had it. Oh, <laughs> so cute. Awesome. Anyway, so he he was kind of the reason why I went to Lethbridge in the first place. And when it was in Lethbridge, I was still kind of like, well, I, do I really want a fish wildlife job or, or parks or what? And that was right when we had the amalgamation. So par- former park rangers and former fish wildlife officers amalgamated and became conservation officers. So I did some ride-alongs with one of the officers in Lethbridge for a while. And then I did some more ride-alongs in Edmonton when I'd come back over the summer and I worked seasonal jobs in parks too. I worked I worked in a county park in Alberta, and then I worked in Saskatchewan for a season, and then two or three seasons in Alberta again, up north. And, you know, seasonal jobs being what they were, government hiring freezes being what they were, I thought maybe I'd go work in New Zealand half the year. So I traveled to New Zealand, I volunteered with their Department of Conservation, and that was really my plan is kind of the half and half kind of work. But I discovered that New Zealand doesn't really like to hire people that aren't actually from New Zealand in jobs like that. So, so it was a really great experience. I, the Department of Conservation was fascinating. I did a couple of different volunteer stints with them. One of them was uh, we, we were doing a survey about possum damage in the Coromandel. And so me and these two guys hiked through, like, I think we helicoptered in and then we hiked through this like area that people hadn't been in in years where there used to be forest or like logging of these giant cowrie trees, we were assessing possum damage. It was, it was fascinating. But anyway, the, I couldn't really get a full-time job there. So I came back, had another season up north, and then I started working in the minister's office. So the Minister of Sustainable Resource Development at the time. So I, I worked there for about a year, and then I came, there was an opening in Fish Wildlife Headquarters. And then I guess I didn't really leave. <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't really hiring you know, I think, I think that was 2002 or 2003 or something. And we didn't hire until 2005 when we hired some of my classmates. And yeah, it just, it just didn't really work for me to actually go in the field. And and sometimes I, I sort of feel like I should have done that, but also like I do find that I, I kind of found my niche and I, I enjoyed what I was doing. So, so I guess that's why I never left. And as much as I, you know, wanted to work in, in actually in conservation law enforcement, you know, I don't have a badge, but I feel like I'm a contributing member to conservation law enforcement anyway. So, so I still feel like, yeah, I I believe pretty green. So (laughs) yeah. Well, I, I think so too. Like, I mean, we were saying before we started recording, right? Like people, I hear it all the time from people that come and run with me, like that if you left the department is screwed because your knowledge base and what you, what you have seen over those years. And I, and I think like, even just hearing you say like, 
got in right as the amalgamation of fish and wildlife and parks officers. And now there's been another amalgamation of now fish and wildlife is incorporated underneath the sheriff's branch. So like just even that in the last 20 years, all of the changes that have happened, right? The the different governments we've worked for, like, again, I've kind of been the same tracked as you, right? Like that same kind of time period. The, the different ministries, the changes, the like, oh, now we're underneath this ministry. Oh, no, now you're not. Nope, now you are. Now you're not. Right. Well, so that's, like now that's the nature of government. Up. You, you know, mm-hmm. the it is it is what it is. Hopefully your job remains the same and, and it is the work that you like to do. But yeah, the, the title that I mean, how how many times has has Fish and been in? Like I couldn't even count the number of different departments that Fish and has been attached to. But the, yeah. the basic job has been the same for them. So that's that's really the main thing, right? Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you this. And just because I think that you're probably the best to answer this. So what is the difference for our listeners? Because we're talking about fish and wildlife, parks officers, conservation officers. So what is the difference? Because we do have conservation officers in Alberta and we have fish and wildlife officers. So what is the difference between those two roles and how are they separated out? So... Conservation officers work in the environmental enforcement branch. Fish and wildlife officers work for the sheriff's branch in the Department of Public Safety and Emergency Services. So in in 1998 or whenever it was, there was an amalgamation and everyone became a conservation officer. In 2001 or something, the government at the time decided to separate them again. So park rangers retained that title of conservation officer and fish and wildlife officers went back to the title of fish and wildlife officer. And I think the public has been confused ever since. Um, while they do have a lot of similar duties and responsibilities, I think Dana or Bruce may be better to comment, but I think that they have more of like in conservation officer side, they have more of a public land scope, whereas in fish and wildlife, you know, it's fisheries and wildlife, like fisheries act, wildlife act are, are their main, their main legislation. Maybe they have maybe more complicated investigations. I don't know. You ladies have anything else to add there? We work very closely up here in Grand Prairie with our co-parts, the conservation officers. They have districts that are probably like the size of three of ours, which gives you an idea of they're looking at for land base because historically they were focused on provincial parks and protected areas. Um, And then they've kind of slowly drifted away from that. They're focusing on public land use zones, which there aren't. It's not the same as crown land, but they are kind of scattered throughout the province and they have stipulations on them for like access and stuff on like you know not using on highway vehicles and those sorts of things so they focused a lot on ohv type legislation they do a lot of ohv patrolling like registration that kind of stuff and public land so like access to access use regulations those kinds of things um and again since they have a wider range to cover that kind of can keep them busy on that side of things for us fish and wildlife we're the ones responding to any sort of hunting related complaint, like trespassing, private land use, any sort of grizzly bear or black bear or, well, predatory type human conflicts, right? Any sort of maulings, we're the ones on those. Um, and then problem wildlife could be anything from like deer, right, to moose in town, any of the tranquilizing and moving of animals, that's us, unless it is in a park or protected area. The exception being like Kananaskis is primarily all conservation officers and there they move grizzly bears around as well. But that's like the isolated only place that the COs do move around grizzly bears in the province. The rest of it is is fish and wildlife. We have a lot of the the gear to respond to that, of course, right with the all the bear traps and stuff on the investigative side. 
if there's hunting related, fishing related, like those sorts of things, like seizures and stuff, the bigger files, that is where we come into play usually. Sheep related stuff, again, caveat being unless it's in a protected area. Um, but and we both will do hunting checks and those sorts of things. But in like usually our guys out here, you know, they'll they'll check. They'll, if they find a loaded gun, they're not going to call us and be like, hey, come on out here two hours. They're going to deal with it when they're there, right? They've got the same tools. They've got the same ability. But typically, if there's something more so, like, oh, they've run into a big poaching ring or something, they're like, oh, we're going to get the fish and wildlife out here kind of thing. So that's. I hope that that helps clear the line a little bit more. Totally but, does. Um, they, Dana, you could probably jump in if I missed anything. Yeah, I think you hit most of it. I think for more of an, uh, an investigative end, I find that the conservation officers are way more uh, dealing with the fines committing offenses. So like Tree said, if they find a loaded firearm in a vehicle, they're dealing with those OHV, you know, complaints where they find people operating where they shouldn't with the registration insurance, whereas Fish and Wildlife really focuses on that investigative piece. I think that's a, a big difference, right? So they're where fish and wildlife officers are doing search warrants, they're seizing items, they're, you know, conducting those kind of more major investigations, doing interviews, doing interrogations, all of that aspect. So that I think is probably one of the biggest differences between the two. For public safety, we both respond. Like they've got boats and all that kind of stuff too, right? So if there's a drowning, we're working together, right? Whoever gets there first kind of thing. They've got all that same training and a lot of that same gear, but yeah, again, I don't think that. And again, it's it's all mostly protected area type orders that they're going to take over stuff. But usually there's no private land within protected areas. So there's no need to do a search warrant on a house in a protected area. But mm-hmm. and That's really interesting. I have friends that are in both. And so it's like you kind of hear this side and you hear this side. But I've never actually heard it like side by side like that, that description. So that's fantastic. I appreciate that. I really just like the part that we're just moving grizzly bears around because that I'm like, I'm sorry, but you're just like, hey, Yogi, it's time to go. You can't be on this side. Like, you're on the wrong side of the highway. <laughs> like, Let's go. Let's move this grizzly bear around. Meanwhile, I'm like, that is the part that I do not want to be. I'll take the horse patrol minus the grizzly bear moving. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, Nikki. You know what? Honestly, the grizzly bears are the best part. Like, that's why I've stayed in the western side of Alberta my entire career. From the grizzly bears in Cochrane to the grizzly bears in Grand Prairie. And I bet you, like, we had one that we caught in December, December 5th. There was snow on the ground. And one of our rookie officers at the time caught this thing on a, I kid you not, a like a, ch- a, like a hand of a beaver. Not even a chunk of a beaver, but like the hand of a beaver, which is like two inches in a trap. And we caught this thing and it, we moved it somewhere near around Grand Cache or so. It came back in six days. What? So we had to cut. Yep. So we caught it again and we moved it a lot farther, but they're just so much fun, right? Like she wasn't aggressive. She was just hanging out in an oat field. So it was kind of, it was kind of fun, right? But we, we named her Sue and you know, she, yeah, she became kind of part of the crew by the end of it. But the grizzly bears are awesome. They're not, they're, they're nothing to be afraid of. You go out there, our outfit equips us so well with training and the gear and uh, like we have new carbines that are just absolutely excellent for responding to any sort of grizzly bear stuff that you go in with so much confidence, you're maybe it's overconfidence sometimes, but the grizzly bears, they're, yeah, they're the life of our, of our agency, I think. 
I'd rather deal with a grizzly bear than a angry mama moose. I tell you that much. <laughs> Agreed. And they're a lot easier to move too. It's like a moose. You the moose in the city and try to stuff that thing into a moose mover with a horse halter on it. It's just a pain. A grizzly bear is, you know, I don't or, know, or three of them at one time. <laughs> yeah, you guys, covered in ticks too. I was say you guys have lived an entirely different life than I have. <laughs> Okay, it's kind of a great segue, though, into I want to break down kind of now what your day to day is in each of your different roles. So, Dana, I'm going to jump back to you. So as an investigator now, what is it that your work looks like as you're kind of coming into work Monday to Friday? What what are you investigating? Like what what complaints do you have? That type of stuff. Sure. So as an investigator with Alberta Environment, we investigate any file that has a potential for punitive action whether that's an administrative penalty or a prosecution under the Water Act and the Environmental Protection and Enhancement Act for the province of Alberta. So we deal with major polluters, industry, and then also, you know, Joe Schmo Farmer that decides that the wetland that's on his property doesn't want it there anymore and he goes through and plows through his wetland. So it's, uh, it's a Start contrast to fish and wildlife. Uh, our investigations are usually could take up to two years to do. So my day comes in going through a lot of documents, a lot of paperwork. We do a lot of interviews. Uh, it's much less of that kind of instant gratification of I find a bad guy and I write him a ticket to, you know, literally, well, this is one investigation here, like literally stacks and stacks. Oh paper and, and, you know, just trying to find that needle in a haystack. So for me, I love it because it's a ton of digging and I love to dig and just find that kind of golden nugget at the bottom that, that makes your case. Right. But it's also like, I find that we're dealing with much more, you know, it was great to catch the poacher that killed, you know, one deer over the limit, but now I'm dealing with polluters that are potentially destroying an entire habitat or, you know, nuking an entire lake. Right. I had a file earlier this year involving a lake that I used to patrol a lot as a fish and wildlife officer. And I'd write a lot of like fish and closed water tickets or over limit tickets. But then, you know, I got this major file where this polluter went in and dumped a whole bunch of yucky stuff into this lake and killed a huge population of fish. Well, that, you know, is, you know, protecting the resource on a totally different scale. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting. That Yeah, that is literally gone from like the micro, like, protection to massive protection yes. of that's I mean and like also people don't be dicks don't be don't put shit in lakes stop it what don't be <laughs> assholes like I don't understand people that do these things like I get mad if my kids like leave litter on like the beach I'm like that crazy person that's like go pick up that extra piece of litter like, <laughs> like we're not leaving or like they want to throw their watermelon rind in the lake after we're on the boat and I'm like don't do that they're like, why? It's natural. I was like, it is not natural. Fish do not know what watermelon is. Get that rind out of the lake. <laughs> like, I'm a crazy person like that because it makes me so mad that we live, especially living in Canada. We have like one of the most beautiful countries in the world with like an abundance of natural resources. Why are we wrecking it? Like, don't wreck it. Just be good people. Take care of the shit that we live in, please. And thank you. So good. Thank you for being this. Thank you for doing this. And I hope you nail this guy, whoever did this bad, polluting, 
go to jail for a long time. Feel shame. Therese, when we're not moving grizzly bears or angry mama mooses, what does a day, so you're in uniform. So for our listeners that can't see right now, I am going to try and post some video for this because I love this, but if you can't see, Therese is in full uniform. She's got her vest. She's got her radio. She's in full uniform. She's got, yeah, she's got everything. All the pouches filled in front of her. So what does a day in your life look like? Um, You know, one of the things that I love about this job is no two days are the same. There is, even if you're planning on coming in for an admin day, you're never there the whole day or you're never going to get done what you plan to do because it's always going to change. Yes, there is an insane amount of work. Always, you're, you have to be comfortable with never being caught up, <laughs> <laughs> especially in a district like GP where you have 80,000 people and incoming all the time, right? The numbers of calls out here are ridiculous. But yeah, so between... Um, we usually have we have three different things that could potentially like there's always public safety there's always the risk of that and that could be wildlife that could be water like rivers that kind of stuff or it could be fires right like this last year we did a lot of work with our cmp helping evacuate and or blocking roads and maintaining you know closures for people and stuff and patrolling for people setting fires so there's the public safety side of it that could happen at any moment right so you come into work you always have to be ready that well you never know right someone could be like drowning in the river that day you got to get the jet boat out and you got to go um so there's like a mental preparedness that you have to have every time you come in but at the same time you could also be what we did a lot of this spring was going and collecting baby moose that were abandoned or you know separated from mom and those kinds of things and then you've got like we had two baby moose in the back of the truck going to like the rehab center while we were dealing with two other baby moose on the way like it was just you know so not like mentally stressful situations but and at the same time like in in the spring a lot of my focus comes especially in grand prairie and like these big city areas is on education so i'll set a couple of school talks and go and talk about bears or talk about wildlife and that's a whole day right and you're not seeing the outside of a classroom the whole day but then the next day you're responding to a shot and left elk way out on the north corner of the district or something and you're driving you know two hours just to get there and back and whatever you're out of service you're in the bush you just never know what you're going to run into we deal with you know like you know you get lots of complaints and stuff through hunting season that you need to follow up with whether we check the guy or we get wind of someone having a wildlife like unlawful wildlife that we need to now do like Dana had said search warrants we're drafting up ITOs those kinds of things to go in after the fact and take that wildlife back basically shoot charges those kinds of things so just last week I spent an entire day in the courthouse with four files going in for very very different things something for warrant on fisheries and then my coworkers' cases and we've worked with judicial order just to get the guy to and these are concluded so it's like it's good to talk about judicial order to get the guy to redo his hunter ed and then the other one was two thousand dollars for shooting a antlerless mule deer out of season in like an area where there's no season for them so just completely different things but you got to go in knowing the ins and outs of everything but again these are usually files that are done within two years right statute limitations on the wildlife act is two years so the odd time will get some guys that you you know the court system's pushing them through like three years but nothing near to what like Dana was saying she's dealing with and then the other potential is we do plan like check stops those sorts of things especially during hunting season so that could be in Alberta you could always be hunting right so you've got 
August, well, you could be hunting coyotes right on private land in the summertime. And then you could be August, you start with bow hunting, sheep hunting, everything, right? All your unglets start all the way till November 30th, depending on where you are in the province. And then you can get into cow elk season. You get into Wainwright hunts, extended hunts in December. You get into cougar hunting and then you get into January. So there's always somebody you could be checking, right? In through January, you still have an elk season. You still have cougar seasons. Sometimes there's bison seasons. Uh, and then you only wait about a month where you can do the odd like trapping check and stuff and butcher inspections. And then in April, you got bear season. So you go right to the middle of June. So there's always in a hunting district, you're always out there checking hunters and there's always potential. Lots of trespassing in districts that have private land. Um, so yeah, again, like, and then and Grand Prairie doesn't have a lot of water, <laughs> like fish bearing lakes and that we've got a couple of rivers, but the odd time will go to a totally different district, like spend a couple of days, go out on Slave Lake, take the sleds out and help those guys out there just doing a bunch of checks because, you know, Slave Lake gets so many on anglers, right? Or Cold Lake, same idea, right? Uh, and that also jumps into what you mentioned earlier about the like, interprovincial stuff where like Cold Lake or on the border here, we've had some time where we organize check stops with the BCCOs or whatever, right? So we're kind of working interagency type stuff too, or the conservation officers here, we work with them as well. Um, yes, you just really never know. And it's it's awesome. I think that is the draw for a lot of first responders is that's what they want. They want like every day to be different, to not be stuck behind the desk, to be out and doing things. So that's fantastic. Uh, are you finding, and I, I feel like this is the case in most like first responder things, are you finding majority of people are compliant? They do have their licenses and they are, you know, like, they are adhering to the rules or are you finding that a lot of the people that you're checking are kind of trying to skirt through, you know, they're taking more than they should, like that type of stuff? I think that that is a question that would be better suited to a district that has a lot of opportunity to proactively patrol. Unfortunately, since there are so few of us, like there is in the two and a half years that I've been here in Grand Prairie, we've only been fully staffed for about like three months or so, or well, no, more than three months, but not during a busy season. We haven't had a hunting season here where we had all four of us and we go all the way down to like 15 minutes north of Grand Cache, the Smoky River, halfway to Valley View, the BC border. We have an insane area to cover. And when we're getting, you know, you have 80,000 people plus people coming in from Edmonton and that hunting, you get calls and you are dealing with calls almost all day. We get out on a few patrols, but realistically to have a good insight on the compliance level of people out here is, is very difficult, which is why we work so closely with our co counterparts as well but somewhere like let's say fox creek that they're not getting as many calls just because of the number of people that live there they they have a lot more opportunity to go out and do more of that proactive like surveillance type patrol right or grind cash and i did that in edson as well and we do it out here too but there isn't also as much need right so no fisheries out here really mm-hmm. but i would say that proportionally like we're always very busy <laughs> where there's a lot of files and there's a lot of things going on. And we know that there is so much more going on that we don't get called on. Mm-hmm. Right. And whether that's, whether that's people that don't, that feel f- afraid that they'll get found out if they don't, they know they don't want to call in or people that just don't care. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, like knowledge of the resource we have in Alberta and the capacity it has for longevity, we need to protect it. You know, there's all sorts of reasons people call in, but there's reasons that they don't as well. So if um, 
yeah, grandpa is really hard to to say that. I'm sure that there's so much more going out there. We just don't have the capacity to deal with, right? But people are usually pretty good, right? I would say in general, uh, you know, people know they need a fishing license. They're out there with a fishing license. There's a few bad eggs. And like any law enforcement, mm-hmm. you know, any agency, RCMP, you're constantly dealing with the bad eggs, right? Mm-hmm. So you kind of only see that side of things. Like, you know, we don't really count like on Slave Lake. You can check so many anglers all day. All good, all good, all good. And then your their next two months are, are like spent dealing on one group that mm-hmm. has too many fish or whatever, right? So your focus is on that. Uh, so I think Albertans are in general very good with management of the resource. Um, and I hope that continues. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like you said, you really kind of hit the nail on the head with just the geographical size of the districts is like, even, you know, we talked, like Dana was saying for previous being like a peace officer, municipal peace officer, like your municipalities can be massive. And it's like, there's one or two of you that are required to patrol the entire area. Well, yeah, for a week, nobody's going to be in the top Northeast quadrant because it's taking you that long to get back up there to do your kind of like routine through. So but it, yeah, it's nice to hear that there you are seeing a lot, you know, on average is people adhering to the rules. I like to hear that because, again, it's like, let's just take care of where we live. So, okay, so let's jump over to Kim now. Recruiting and staffing, what does this look like for you? Your basic job is to find people to fill these roles. And I know right now in all law enforcement across, I think all first responder careers, honestly, staffing is a huge issue everywhere is short staffed everywhere is asking for staff we're recruiting we're trying we're trying to bring people into these careers so what does it look like for you on a day-to-day basis well my day-to-day is a lot less exciting than Dana's and Teresa's (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so in the recruitment and staffing unit of the sheriff's branch we have an inspector we have a vacant sergeant position we have myself and an admin, and then we have three seconded uh, recruitment and staffing unit sheriffs. So actually, we're we're just in the middle of hiring two more of them. So we'll have fully, fully staffed, we'll have these extra positions. So our job is recruitment and staffing for the entire branch. And like I said before, I try to focus mostly on the fish and wildlife side and then the protection communication side. The government announced or our minister announced 248 new positions for the branch, I think in April or something of last year, which has kept us quite busy. (laughs) (laughs) So when we are recruiting, we are looking for someone that has a minimum of a two-year diploma in a natural resource compliance type of education. Often that looks like natural resource compliance diploma from Lethbridge College. Now, the more education you have and the more experience you have essentially gets you paid more. The way government works with the classifications, our goal is to hire to the natural resources six classification, which is a combined five years education. So that would often look like, you know, a four-year degree, like three of us all have, plus one year of related experience or a diploma, and then three years of related experience. And when we talk about related experience, we're talking about working in problem wildlife, working in some sort of conservation law enforcement capacity where you're enforcing, let's say, you know, you're appointed under the Fisheries Act or often it looks like, you know, what a really good program is Manitoba Seasonal Parks. That's what Teresa had done. They have a really good enforcement program. Saskatchewan also has a similar program. BC, I think, does too. And then the Western provinces also have aquatic invasive species inspectors, which is a pretty good program. In Alberta, 
the park seasonals actually don't have appointments these days. So that's a good experience too, but you're lacking that enforcement piece that we would prefer you to have. And then our, our department also hires seasonal problem wildlife techs. So they're, you know, working, working in other areas where they're dealing a lot with grizzly bears or other problem wildlife. Um, So that's, that's what we're looking for. It's helpful. If you have an understanding of hunting and fishing, we, we do hire people that aren't, you know, they, they aren't actual hunters and anglers, but I think there is a bit of a learning curve for them to, you know, get, get doing the actual work. So it's helpful if you have some understanding of that. I think someone that can have a conversation with anyone is important, <laughs> important skill to have. Sometimes we, we have an interview and, you know, the kids, of course they're nervous, but you know, they, the, you have just have to be able to have a conversation. Like the first thing you're going to do, the biggest tool that you have is your mouth, right? So, so just, just the ability to speak with people is really helpful. And then once you have that education, our process looks like, you know, we post approximately once a year. I can't say that's exactly always what we do, but approximately once a year, late summer, early fall, we'll post a competition. So that will be found on the government website, posted also on social media. That's usually open for a couple of weeks to a month. Then we have an exam process. So if you screen in at the first level, we send you to the exam. You write the exam. If you pass that, we'll invite you to an interview. If you pass that, we'll check your references. And if you pass that, then I send you a recruitment package. And that's actually where we're at the stage that we're at right now with our current recruitment. I sent out some packages. I'm just waiting for their packages to come back. I think the deadline is Wednesday at noon. So that's super exciting. From there, you know, the medical standards are are important. And I think, you know, I just found some people don't realize that we have those medical standards. So they're on our website. Helpful to have a look if you're interested in this career. There's some so audiometric standards and vision standards that people should probably take a look at. So once we finish the package, we send you for a psych, psychological assessment. That's a government standard. And then hopefully we hire you. And then when we hire you, we send you to Wakulia. So I think Therese gave a pretty good example of what Wakulia was. But, you know, it started in 2000 and I think the first one was in 2007. So that gives you indication of poor Dana and I, how we graduated in 2001. So, <laughs> so we didn't, never did get to go there in the beginning. But yeah, at 2007, we started. It's a great partnership because... Because the whole the whole idea about Wakulia was each agency doesn't doesn't normally hire enough like officers at at any one time to make an actual academy worthwhile. Alberta hired forty officers in two thousand, so there was two academies: Academy A and Academy B in two thousand. And then again in two thousand five was the next time we hired, and we only hired I think nine at the time. So then in two thousand seven, when Wakulia started with this partnership with the other provinces, it's it's just so great because uh, we share instructors, we share resources. You know, it's, it's housed somewhere where it's, you know, eco- economical. So it's been in Hinton Training Center quite a bit the last couple of years. It's been in last year and this year it'll be in Lac La Biche. You know, all in, I think each agency, I think last year we paid, we had 50 recruits. So, you know, it's, it's a big bill, but, you know, the per recruit cost is pretty good when we, when we all work together. I actually thought you'd be interested to know, I just pulled up how many recruits have graduated t- since 2007. So this is Alberta, Saskatchewan, BC, Manitoba, and the Yukon, 464. That's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I don't know, from from Wakulia, you you go to Wakulia, Teresa explained how that works, you graduate, and then we send you to your district. You're attached to your field training officer for usually about six months, and then you're essentially on your own. We have a lot of opportunity for, you know, in, in-house instructors and or problem wildlife predator response teams and other things. So, you know, once you get hired, we certainly have some pretty cool opportunities. It's something we try to do too when we hire recruits. We put you in a district that 
maybe it's not overly desirable depending on the vacancies, <laughs> but we try to move laterally before we put recruits in place. So, so if we hire you, you know, you go to, let's say you go to high level for two years and then you want to get out of high level. Well, we'll try to give you the opportunity to move somewhere else where there's a vacancy before we put recruits somewhere. So, so that's another thing that I think is a good incentive. So much good information, Kim. Thank you so much for breaking that recruitment process down. We have covered so much already, guys, and I know we have so much more. So for our listeners, you're going to have to tune in next week to catch the rest of this episode where we talk about the schooling requirements. We break down some pretty sick shooting awards that Therese and her team nailed just recently at the ISSAC competition. And we're also going to talk about the Wonder Wardens, a phenomenal group made specifically for fish and wildlife officers that are females that was founded by Dana. So stay tuned and we'll see you guys next week. Well, that's it for today, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in, listening, giving me your time, your energy, and your attention. I completely appreciate it. Make sure you check out our next episode with another badass female first responder anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook at bluelinefitnesstesting.com. I hope you stay safe, keep your head on a swivel, and watch your six. (laughs) 